0: Hi, I'm Mark Parmenter. Join me as I talk to local Christians to hear their stories of how Jesus has impacted their lives and share it with you for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. This is Salmon Arm Saints. Hello, welcome to Salmon Arm Saints. This is our first episode, episode number one. My name is Mark Parmenter. I'm so glad to have you here today today I am sitting down for an interview with Meryl Dick. Meryl and his wife Teresa have served as missionaries for nearly 50 years. They currently work with Ethnos 360, and they worked with the Pume people, a tribal people that previously had no, no written language, no Bibles, no awareness of the gospel. And Merrill and his wife, they went down when they were quite young. They spent over 25 years living with the Pume people, learning their language, translating a Bible. Well, first of all, teaching them about Christianity, learning their language, showing them how to write, then translating the Bible for them. And this is a tremendous, tremendous thing that Merrill and his wife have done. They uh, currently now are residing in Canada, and they continue to translate Bible study material for the Pume people and continue to send that down to their host country. You'll notice as Meryl and I are talking that we refer to the country as their host country. The moment we are trying to protect the, uh, that information, keep that close to the chest as, as stuff goes out on, on the internet, the country that uh, was their host country is currently in political turmoil. So your prayers would be much appreciated for them. If you want to check out Meryl's stuff, you can go to twiceegged.ca. And you can see a bunch of information about their uh, missions work. Today, Meryl and I sat down for about an hour and had a long, beautiful conversation. Today, I'm going to give you just just the first part of that conversation where Meryl really shares with us his testimony for how he became a Christian, how he uh, got into missions. So enjoy. Well, hi, Meryl.
1: Uh, Welcome here. Hey, Dave. How's it going? (laughs) The name's Mark. Uh, oh, it's okay. Oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> that thinking happens. Of, thinking of your dad,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, my dad Dave, that that happens sometimes. I got too many brothers too, I get uh, a lot yeah. of names. I was
1: praying for you the other day and I and I prayed for your dad instead of you. Yeah, that's yeah a, I, my mom, my wife caught me, yeah.
0: I'm sure God can
1: Yeah, he figures it out. He will yeah. yeah. sort it yeah. out. Yeah, he figures it out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Although my dad probably he probably wouldn't mind
1: a couple <laughs> prayers. No, no, we all, we all need some <laughs> prayers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> First of all, maybe we should just cover who you are, what you do. Um, You know, I know that you and your wife served as missionaries. You've been doing missions for how long?
1: Uh, Since uh, 76. 76. May of 76. uh, Yeah, actually, no, August of 76, we went to our field of service, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: uh, we began the training to prepare for missions in 71. So it's been a long road. Wow. Yeah, but good. been great.
0: 71. Wow. So, how old were you guys when when you first started dreaming about uh, missions?
1: I was nineteen. You're nineteen. Wow. I, was, I was nineteen. Yeah, I was saved for f- three months when I first heard about missions. Wow. Yeah. It it was pretty. It was a powerful missionary conference, and I was just a young buck, newly saved, and uh, yeah, these guys were talking about the world and all the unreached people groups and uh, how they lived and how Christ had died on the cross for them too. And it blew my mind. You know, I had never heard anything like this before. So yeah, it, that began the journey.
0: Wow. I guess that leads into uh, like how, how um, so you said you're 19, you've been saved for three months. So how did it come about that uh, you came to be saved?
1: Uh, well, I grew up in a, in a Christian home. My dad was a preacher.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so that makes me a pk (laughs) so yeah um my mom and dad were good uh you know but you know the church the whole christianity thing to me always seemed super boring you know it it just kind of sucked from stem to stern for me Mm
2: -hmm.
1: i didn't really get into it and uh so and when i got to the teens then uh I just began to experiment with other things and uh, began to party hard and uh, we started doing drugs and uh, we would uh, take acid every weekend and mm. uh, we, were, we were stoned actually for about three years straight between hash and weed wow. <laughs> and uh, speed and then acid on the weekends. And so I had to do a lot of stealing to keep up with that. So I was a kleptomaniac for sure. Yeah, it was a crazy life. Uh, We had a rock band called The Ball and Chain. I played keyboards. We played a lot of Steppenwolf, Creedence, Clearwater Revival, Hmm. although there wasn't that much revival. (laughs) No. Uh, Yeah, we played uh, blues. It was fun. We played at some dances, and uh, it was more just to have fun, right? Yeah. And And we hit all the rock festivals in the area. Not to play as a band, but just to hang out and, you know, party. So Mm -hmm. that was the whole thing, partying. And it was about 25 of us guys. A lot of us actually were preacher's kids, which was weird. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, we, you know, we did, we got involved in all kinds of horrible stuff. We started, uh, you know, getting involved in seances, we had the Ouija board. We'd go out into the night, and on the hood of a car, we'd bring out the Ouija board and and speak, and it's amazing how how the demons would answer our questions. Yeah. Y- you'd swear you're not moving that, that that thing around, but boy, that thing just moved all over the place, right? Yeah. No, that was weird. I, yeah. No, we were playing with fire, and the guy who was always leading it, two guys led it, and it's like, it was weird. They always end up, ended up choking, They'd, like the demons would choke them. We'd, ha- we'd go through all kinds of questions, and then, and then every time these guys would, would just end up choking and gasping, and we'd have to slap them like crazy to get them out of their stupor. Huh. Oh, it was crazy. It, it freaked us out. And uh, finally we stopped doing it, right? right? But it was a crazy bunch of people. I remember, too, one time we were at this big house having a party, and uh, here some of my friends were, were play-acting and they one of them was jesus one of them were you know they were the roman guards they were whipping jesus and and they were just mocking jesus right and they were play acting this whole thing and uh, even before i came to christ this really didn't sit good with me uh, this really bothered me and i i wouldn't participate in anything like that cuz i never actually rejected the scriptures as such or the truth of the word of God, it was just that it all seemed boring to me, so I couldn't really see myself getting involved with that. Right. But to, but to, to be involved in mockery like this, to... Full-on rebellion. Oh, gosh. Yeah. To mock, I, you know, I believed in God. Yeah. And I knew God was a holy God, and for me to mock him like that, no way. I there was no way I was going to do that. Yeah. No, no, that for me was freaky stuff. Mm-hmm. So I pulled way back on that. I didn't get involved in that stuff. But yeah, we were just a bunch of fools, really. Fools, Mm -hmm. living in the flesh, living for self, partying. But you know, when you party hard for three years, it gets old. Mm -hmm. The stuff of the world gets old. The stuff of the flesh gets old. And so pretty soon I started getting so empty on the inside, right? Just so empty. And yeah, we kept we kept uh, doing drugs this whole time, and but it's like my my highs were always bothered by the Holy Spirit. It's like the Holy Spirit started coming into my mind during the trip, and he'd remind me of all this truth that I knew, Hmm. and he worked me over. He was a you know, pardon the expression, you know, but it's like he was a nuisance to me. (laughs) the the, the guy guy wouldn't leave me alone yeah actually there's an interesting poem written the hound of heaven where god is pursuing people yeah 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 well that's kind of way i was i mean at first i just thought oh that was a kind of a bum trip and but it like it kept happening over and over whether i was doing weed or whatever i was doing and this began to wear on me Mm Mhm. And, and and then he, I mean, I was, I was already living an empty life. Like, my whole life was such a rip because nothing was satisfying me anymore, and I already had friends who were doing heroin, and we were talking about, well, maybe we should try some smack, we called it back then. We were nuts, yeah. like, like anything, right? But, um, so this thing continued, and then I began to actually talk about this whole thing with some of my friends like you know why are we doing what we're doing do we believe what the scripture says do we believe what our parents taught us and this too brought on a lot of conversation and uh, so finally it led to a climax here on august 23rd of 1970 i went to another huge party in the country we all in those days we got acid just on a slab of paper So we each cut out an inch of that paper, popped in in our mouth, so we took LSD again. And then we had plenty of booze, and then we just partied that night. But at about 3.30, I went out under a tree, sat by myself, and I just thought, is this life? Is this living?
2: Mm.
1: Is this what I want to do? Is this how I want to really do life? And then suddenly it's like there was a balance. I saw in my mind, I just saw this balance, right? This big balance. And on this side was eternal life. And on this side was eternal damnation.
2: Hmm.
1: So that was very clear. Here was eternal life and this balance. And so which one would I choose? Because I had to choose one. Well, I thought about that the whole rest of that night. I finally got home at 4.30 in the morning and my mom is there waiting for me like she always was. She's waiting, she's crying, she's asking me where, where, where was I, what was I doing. I always lied to her, gave her some story, and I go to bed. Next morning is a Sunday and uh, mom and dad take off for church. I'm not feeling good so I stay home And uh, that morning, as I was lying in my bed, I was just thinking about truth, about my life, about what I was going to do. And the Holy Spirit was working. He was mightily convicting me. And suddenly I just got out of my bed. I knelt beside my bed and I said, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. I know he paid for everything, my bad, my sin, my sin and I accept Him as my Savior. I put my faith in You, God, and it was just a little prayer. And, uh, yeah, then I, uh, I was it. And then I thought I should tell somebody. My parents had come back from church, but I couldn't tell them. I couldn't tell them. It's like, I don't know, it's like my mouth wouldn't work. It was the weirdest thing. I, I was going to tell them, tell them what, what I'd done, but I couldn't tell them. I tried, like, for several hours. It just wouldn't come out. I could talk about other things, but I couldn't do that. Finally, I go out in the backyard, and I'm just walking around and wondering why I can't tell them. And my mom comes out there. She's feigning, you know, to pick uh, raspberries, but she ain't really picking raspberries. She, She knows there's something going on with me. So anyway, she's in the backyard, and suddenly I just run up to her, and it kind of bursts out. Mom, I... I, gave my, I, I got things right with God. It kind of burst out of my, out of my mouth. And then I, once I told her, I could easily tell my dad.
2: Hmm.
1: But I was numb that whole day, and then that night I went to an Hell's Angel movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just who knows why. But I just sat there in the front row all by myself, and I, don't, I didn't even watch the movie. I didn't even know what it was about. I just sat there kind of stoned, not from anything, but just thinking about what I'd done that day, right? But then it was really cool. I went and I, I visited with all my friends and they thought I was nuts. I, I told them what that I that I gave my life to Christ, that, that I was born again, that uh, Christ was now in my life. Mm. You know, they basically, you know, used some pretty hefty language to tell me where to go and, uh, yeah they thought I was an absolute wacko so but i i made the circuit i went and told them all where i could i told i i just told gave my testimony but uh, yeah I lost all those friends there was that was it yeah that was the end of that and uh, so i got i had a job i just graduated from high school i had a job this is august twenty third twenty fourth now so Anyway, then there was a guy in our in our in our church, a young young people's guy, and he's. I asked him. I says, "I need to learn more. So can you disciple me?" So he started. We started meeting every Friday, and then I started praying for a friend because I didn't have any friends anymore. So God brought this farmer dude into my life. A crazy, a crazy guy from the from some farm. He had like 50 cows. Guy was really on the move with his cows, <laughs> but. Yeah, we we became friends, and we started studying the Bible together, and actually every Friday we'd get together, and we'd go for our own Bible study, and then on one Friday, I would preach to him, and the next Friday, he'd preach to me. We'd take turns. We figured we should learn to t- preach the word. Wow. So he'd be the only guy in the audience, and I'd give him hellfire and brimstone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And next Sunday it's my turn, right? So and next Friday it's my turn. So then I'd I'd be the only guy in the pews, and he'd be letting me have it. But no, we did that, right? Just to mm-hmm. we figured we should sharpen our skills. So the Lord just uh, was working like that, and uh, and my whole life changed. And what was so amazed before, when I was before I got saved, it's like I was so driven by the devil, so driven. It's like I couldn't relax just go to another party okay let's go here okay now we're a band practice hey let's do acid on the weekend hey we're doing this now hey there's a party over here okay let's i'll meet you at the billiard lounge okay and it's like nonstop, right go 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 and it's like i i couldn't even really relax Mm -hmm. but when i came to christ it's like my goodness things became so peaceful so much calm suddenly my parents were my best friends they were like my enemies before yeah that was against them they were always against me they were always hassling me about stuff
2: yeah
1: now I'd like I enjoyed hanging out with my parents and it was a, just a great time and so I got a job and I thought man I'm making money now but then I thought about something there was all these people I'd ripped off I stole from so many people like I'd I took my car out in the country to the mayor, the mayor of our town. He had a farm in the country, and I always went there f- to steal his purple gas, his farm fuel. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I, you oh, know, wow. I emptied his tank regularly. <laughs> 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 this is not something I'm... But I wrote, so I wrote the mayor, right? I says, hey, I've been stealing gas from you for, for quite a long time. I owe, I owe you a ton of money. I stole maybe 55 tanks. What, what, do, what would I owe you for that? So I gave him my testimony and everything, and he says, you don't owe me Now He wrote me back. He says, you don't owe me nothing. He said, praise the Lord. You got things right. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, did. Was, a,
0: he was a Christian then.
1: Uh, I guess he was, yeah. Oh, I, wow. did, I didn't know if he was a Christian or not, but I just told him my testimony in the letter that I sent him, and he said, you don't owe me nothing. Wow. But lots of, like in those days, we didn't have CDs. We had 45s, you know, the little guys with the big hole in the center. Yeah. And then the long playing albums, the, so I, I stole those all the time, and so I I, I went and paid that guy back, yeah. all kinds of debts to pay back. So I worked a whole year and I almost made no money, but it was all right. Every time I went I, I went to the to a, a merchant's uh, store, I gave him my testimony, told him what Christ had done for me, and I said, "Here's hundred bucks or whatever." And mm-hmm. you know, back in nineteen seventy, hundred bucks was a little more than it is today. Yeah. Yeah. Back then, I was making a buck twenty an hour. That's, <laughs>
0: That's a lot of hours to get that hundred bucks. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, Oh yeah. Uh, but it was all good. God gave me joy in, in making things right, right? Yeah. And it wasn't a burden. It wasn't like it was a it was a joy to, So it felt good. I'm just taking care of these things, and I wanted to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, so anyway, I was in this process. And then in October, our church had a week long missionary conference. The, every, every, every year in October, they'd have a week-long missionary conference.
2: Wow.
1: Yeah, they'd have all kinds of missionaries. There'd be sessions in the morning, at noon, and uh, in the evenings, they'd serve meals there. So I couldn't go to a lot of the sessions, but I was there every evening session. Hmm. And I just loved this missionary conference. It was crazy. I was Me and my buddy, the farmer, were always in the front row. And, uh, man, we saw pictures of, of these unreached people groups around the world. We saw pictures of people who had come to Christ and how Christ had changed their lives. Uh, we, were, we were blown away, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We were like, wow. And these guys just challenged us, you know. Uh, A man is no fool if he gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We've heard, you've heard that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, You know, all God's looking for is a living sacrifice. What are you going to sacrifice your life for? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Life is passing away. It's running fast. It'll soon be over. What are you investing in? All kinds of things. They pumped into us. So this was really new for me as a new believer, right? But one thing that really stood out to me in my newfound faith was that Christ was my king. He's my king. He's going to set up a kingdom, and I'm, 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 I'm one of his subjects. I'm one of his servants. He's the king, and I'm the servant. And the king is saying, "Get your butt out to the end of the earth, move, and get the gospel to the ends of the earth." Because I died for a world, right? Mm-hmm. And you see this all the way through, all the way through scriptures, uh, right from Genesis twelve. You know. Uh, God is talking to Moses, and He says, "I want to bless all the families or the nations of the earth through your seed." Yeah. Hey, God is always has this big, big world picture. So I'm hearing all this stuff, and it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being moved, right? I'm being challenged. My buddy's being challenged, and there was actually eight of us that year in our church that decided we wanted to go into full time missions. Wow. Yeah. And it was weird, you know, because some of the believers in the church said, don't do that. Don't, you know, you can work here. You don't have to go to the foreign field. Yeah. You can work here. Well, you, there, there's people that aren't saved here. And it kind of bugged me. Like, like it just irritated me. Like, why would they try to derail me when, when I feel like I should go there, right? That, that seemed really weird to me. And some people came along and said, uh, it's... It's going to be hard, you know. It's going to be hard, and and I, I don't know if you want to do hard. But it's like those things didn't move me.
0: they try trying to talk you out of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was. That's it was amazing. Really, it really worked. And and another guy told me he was a another pastor. He says, "Look," he said, "You don't have to go over there." He says, "You can be my youth worker. I'll, we'll train you in the youth department. You can work with the youth."
2: Hmm.
1: But. You know, there's so much gospel availability here. There's so many people here that could be involved here, and there's so few that are there at the ends of the earth. I mean, right? Mm -hmm. So like the Apostle Paul always said, my ambition is to go not where Christ has already been named, lest I build upon another man's foundation. I want to go where there's no foundation, Mm -hmm. right? I think it's in uh, Acts, Romans uh, 15, 20. So here during that conference, uh, eight of us, that we want to be full-time missionaries. Wow. I mean, we didn't know everything we were getting into. And we didn't even know, like, they didn't say, oh, you better watch out, your gifts might not line up. They just said, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Give your life to God. Mm-hmm. You know, take up your cross daily, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. That's That's the command for a disciple. Well, we wanted to be disciples. Yeah. So I
0: think it's interesting, so many of us feel like we have to have the specifics, you know. Uh, right. God knows what to do with you. <laughs> I just think it's fascinating that um, some of us just, we have this idea of like, we have to get all the, everything figured out, all our ducks in a row. And he just says to go, uh, you know, you look at the, you look at Acts and you never see you know, they almost never had a plan.
1: Yeah, that. No, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, this is the the amazing thing. Like, you know, I was going into a music career.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: My mom was a piano teacher. We all grew up. You know, we kind of grew up on the piano bench. And um, that was always where I was going into music. Mm. But so this changed changed my course and then what was so amazing is that god gave me all it's it's like i had all kinds of gifts that i didn't even know i had no idea what god could do through me
2: yeah
1: you know but it always it isn't it, it isn't the bigness of the individual it's the bigness of god right it's it's never here i come god oh gosh god do you need me i got i got so much stuff mm-hmm. here to offer no you come as a broken vessel, you, you know, like the publican, he beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me. And, and you come to God and you say, God, here I am. Use me in whatever way you would.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I am yours, you know. And then uh, I've used this quote before. Robert Murray McShane said, an obedient person is a powerful tool in the hands of Almighty God. Mm-hmm. So what can God do through one Mark Parmenter what can God do through one Adoniram Judson or William Carey? Yeah. One person who is radically obedient to, for God's glory. What can God do? The, you, never, you, you, it's, it, you can't even tell. What did God do through the murderer, the Apostle Paul? Yeah. See, see God... It's never, the, it's never this great missionary. It's the extraordinary God that does amazing things to the ordinary person. Yeah. You know, that's the way it works. So we went to the field, Teresa and I, and we found out we had gifts that we didn't even know we had. Mm-hmm. But God's full of surprises. He, he, he's always got a new thing going. Yeah, He's always got something to surprise us with.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Salmon Arm Saints. I hope that this program was able to bless you. Until next time, I'm Mark Parmenter.